Hey friends, Rich here from Unseminary. Hope you're having a good day. Listen, have you ever stopped and wondered what are some of those core competencies that new leaders need to develop? You know, I know this is one of those things that's I've been thinking a lot about recently. It's really this whole area of soft skills. Those areas of leadership that are really about how do we do life together? How do we lead as full humans? In fact, our friend Seth Godin talks about the fact that soft skills are really the real skills that are needed for future workers. But how do you develop those particularly in younger leaders? If you're trying to find, develop, and keep particularly young leaders on your team, then the people I think of top of the list are our friends over at Leadership Pathway. They have worked with hundreds of churches. They've interviewed thousands of candidates over the past several years. And they just recently released a brand new ebook on the five core competencies that are at the heart of the leadership development process that you need to have with particularly young leaders. Now you could pick up this book. It's completely free. All you need to do is go over to leadershippathway.org forward slash unseminary to pick up this free resource. Listen, I love the guys over there. Sean, Kristen, uh, Michelle, Dave, well, Dave's okay. I'm just kidding, Dave. Love you. Uh, they're amazing people. Leadership Pathway, they are good people that want to help you, particularly with young leaders. Uh, and again, if you want to pick up this resource, all you need to do is go over to leadershippathway.org forward slash unseminary to pick up this free resource on the five core competencies that are at the heart of the leadership development process that they lead with, le- with young leaders and you should be implementing as well. All right, friends. Thanks so much. Let's jump into today's episode. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Well, hey, friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. You know, every week our goal is to bring you a leader who both will inspire and equip you. And this week is absolutely no exception. Super excited to have Pastor Zach Lambert with us. Zach is from a church called Restore Austin. This is a fantastic church uh, right in Austin, actually in Austin, which is great. Their core values are grace authenticity, diversity, and partnerships. Uh, and this is an incredible church you're going to want to learn from. Uh, they partner, not, they do great stuff at their church, but they also partner with all kinds of great organizations uh, around Austin uh, and was recommended by our good friend, Pete Briscoe. So anytime Pete says we got to talk to somebody, we definitely lean in. So uh, Zach, welcome to the show. So glad you're here. Thanks, Rich. I'm so glad to be here. I'm a, I'm a fan of the podcast, man. It's an honor to be on. Oh, thank you so much. Why don't you tell us about the church, kind of give us a flavor if people were to arrive, what would they experience? Give us kind of a little bit of that. Tell us about your role. Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I was actually on staff with Pete at Bentry. Um, that's how I know Pete. Uh, he was kind of okay. my mentor, spiritual father during that time. We ran a residency program together for three years at Bentry where we'd bring in young pastors, teach them everything that they didn't get in seminary, very themed for the podcast <laughs> yeah, <that's> here, <laughs> um, and then send them out either to plant new churches or revitalize uh, dying churches. And so we did that for a few years. Pete and I kind of built the residency curriculum together, ran it for a few years. And then, yeah, just kind of was like, hey, I think it's time for us to go do this. We've been teaching people about mm. it. Let's go put it into practice. And so when I was uh, 26, my wife and I, um, along with Matt and Emily Gonzalez, and Matt's our worship and community pastor, we moved 
down here to Austin, which is my wife and I's hometown originally. So we're moving back for us <laughs> and started Restore. Um, and Restore really is a place where um, we say everyone has a seat at the table and anyone can experience the extravagant love of Jesus. Um, mm, and it's a place that. where we do a lot of restoring faith in Jesus and the church. We, we are in urban Austin, but a block from downtown, right in the heart of uh, the 78704 zip code here. Kind of the, when you think of Austin being weird, we're in the heart of it. Um, <laughs> but we love that. I mean, both of us are, you know, we're from yeah. here. Um, we, uh, we have, uh, we, we love Austin and we love the people here. But it's a very post-Christian city, like many urban environments are around the country. And so um, there's a lot of hurt that people have, um, a lot of distrust of uh, Jesus and the church. And so we do a lot of restoring faith. And we find that we strip everything down and really talk to people about the person and work of Jesus Christ, um, that their eyes light up, that they have no problem with that, um, that they're Mm -hmm. excited about it, that they're um, moved by it. Um, and then it's a lot of the kind of other things that have, have hurt them in the past. So mm-hmm. honestly, we do a lot of apologizing for what's happened to people, for what they've experienced, and then welcome, mm-hmm. welcoming them in to have a seat at the table at our church and to experience the love of Jesus. Um, so that's kind of what you can expect. We, we meet in a middle school, so we set up a teardown. We're portable. We launched in February of 2016, so we're about five and a half years old right now. Um, mm-hmm. Setting up a teardown is no fun. I'm sure some of your listeners do that. <laughs> um, but a real beautiful thing. A real beautiful thing about that is that um, so many of our folks have uh, have a lot of triggers when it comes to kind of a traditional church facility. Um, just walking back mm. into one based on what they've walked through can be really difficult. And so walking into a middle mm-hmm. school auditorium, gym, um, lobby area is actually really beautiful. Um, and so we do that uh, mm. set up there. We open every single Sunday with a minute and a half long welcome video that you can find on our website, restoreaustin.org. And that really sets the culture for what we're trying to do, that, mm. that everyone is welcome and that anyone can experience the love of Jesus, as I said. So that's a little bit about us. Love it. Yeah, I was in Austin was one of the last trips I did before the great shutdown of March 2020. Nice. And uh, I have not spent a lot of time in Austin. But one of my takeaways was I need to be here more. This is such a great community, a great spot. And um, we had just such a great time. So I'm thanks for being on and for, for helping us, uh, today. Now you're the, uh, the lead pastor, obviously planting pastor, Absolutely. which is amazing. A key part of that is, is teaching. Now I, that's not actually hasn't been my seat on the bus. I've been in that kind of that second chair in that executive pastor seat, but I've always had a deep conviction around how important teaching is particularly to our churches. It's, you know, sets the culture, points, the direction, all of that. There was a study done a number of years ago that, uh, by the, our friends over at the Gallup uh, group, which was was isn't a particularly uh, kind of Christian thing. They were really studying faith in a bunch of different ways. But one of the questions they asked is, why do people attend church? And uh, three quarters of the reason why people attend is actually because of the teaching, because of what uh, is actually being said uh, on on the weekend, which is which is amazing, and that's a great study. We'll link to that in the in the show notes. But we want to talk a little bit about that today. Can you kind of talk to us uh, when people are re- re- you know come to restore? Uh, what what's the teaching like? What's that experience like? And then let's pull that apart. Apart. I'd love to hear more about your process. What does that look like? Yeah, I, I would say we're pretty, um, you know, Protestant, uh, low church. Um, mm-hmm. kind of, we, we have a band, we do teaching. Um, I usually teach between, uh, you know, 25 and 35 minutes on average. Um, and 
you know, we, we do communion occasionally, all that kind of stuff. But, but yeah, we're, we're yeah. not liturgical. We don't use the lectionary. Um, and, uh, and so something that we have a, an issue with, and I, I talked to so many pastors in this kind of, um, evangelical space. And I use that in the most kind of traditional way, um, mm-hmm. that, uh, when you don't have a lectionary, when you don't have kind of prescribed sermon topics or sermon series, one of the hardest things to do is just continually come up with ideas for <laughs> sermon yes. topics, sermon series. I mean, seriously, Rich, every time I get together with pastors, one of the first questions is, Hey, what are you preaching on? Um, what, oh, what, totally. what series have you done this last year that was just incredible? I and, mean, you know, how can I adapt it for what we're doing? Um, oh, totally. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 questions that always come up, always come up and people um, always need help with it. And so for the first couple of years of Restore, in the middle of planting and trying to get a church off the ground, which was you know obviously exhausting in and of itself, it also mm-hmm. felt that like every couple of weeks I was like, all right, I got to come up with a new sermon series idea. Um, right. and it was, it was rough, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Sunday's always coming. Easter's always around the corner. Christmas is creeping up on us. Like it's so <laughs> it's relentless, right. In, in, yeah. in what we do. So what does that rhythm look like? How, how are you planning? Uh, what does that planning rhythm look like? How did you break the cycle of being like, Oh my goodness, I, I know what I'm speaking this weekend, maybe next weekend, but not up over the horizon. How, how did you break that rhythm? Well, I think, yeah, the original pain point was just like, I don't want to be stressed out every week, every month, every year, um, feeling like this is always hanging over me when you have other things hanging over you. But like any other pastor, I wanted sermon series and sermon topics that aligned with our church's vision, values, and measures um, Mm -hmm. that keep people's attention. Um, Well, Mm -hmm. one thing that we had trouble with was we were able to keep people's attention with the kind of indefinite forever vision mission. Like this is where we're going. This is, you know, this is what's Mm -hmm. happening and then keep people's attention for four or five weeks with a sermon series. But it wasn't like there was anything as far as time in between. So it was like one Mm -hmm. month or forever. Like there wasn't anything kind of in the (laughs) middle there. So that was another issue that we had. Um, Obviously you want stuff that center around Jesus and not, not just kind of, you know, self-help principles. We wanted to incorporate diverse voices and current events. We want to stay relevant and engaging. We wanted everything that we had to live in kind of one centralized place that any mm-hmm. of our team can manage, whether that's worship or production or kids ministry or anything like that. So these are a lot of the boxes that we were trying to check. And so basically the way we solved the problem mm-hmm. was a couple of different ways. But the biggest one is that we adapted an idea uh, from my friend named Zach McCoy, who pastors Redemption Church in urban mm-hmm. Houston. And it's this idea of an annual sermon series theme. And so we mm-hmm. structure all of the fall and spring every year around one theme. And so we've done, we're about to enter our fourth year of this. We've done mm-hmm. a year in the story, which was a look at the meta narrative of scripture. We did a year in the greatest commandment, um, looking at mm-hmm. Jesus's command to love God and love others. Hmm. We spent the fall talking about loving God, the spring talking about loving others. Um, we just finished a year in the life of Jesus last year, which was really great and transformative. Started with a sermon series about the kind of Old Testament predictions of his life. We did a sermon series um, about his early years, a sermon series uh, called Going Public, where he kind of transitions from this very private life to this very public ministry, a series on the Sermon on the Mount leading into Christmas. We did a series called Kingdom Incarnate, where it was a look at um, all of the different kind of big miracles that Jesus did and how they were bringing the kingdom to life. Uh, We did a series called The Passion at the end of his life. And then we finished the year, the spring, with a series called Therefore Go, which was look at the Great Commission and kind of this lasting words that he left us. And so that's just an example of how you can build, you know, yeah, I a, love that. an entire fall and spring of sermon series inside of one theme. We did it with a year in the story too. started out with a series on Genesis one through three and ended with a series called 
um, heaven and hell and other things we don't understand very well. And we just kind of, you know, <laughs> hit the meta narrative in the middle um, and try to walk yeah. people through the big story. So that was the first thing that we did. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, yeah. How, so I love this. I think the idea of an overall theme that actually pulls, like you say, kind of an entire season together. I think that's a, a super powerful idea. What is the kind of selection process for that look like? How, how are you landing Great on that? I, it seems like even how there's almost like uh, in other contexts, I've talked about changing the channel. Like you went large and then you went small. It was like the whole yes. meta narrative and then down to really two ideas. I, I, I love that. But how, talk us through how you came up with those as a, as a theme. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. I think once you get going, you're certainly looking at what you did in the last year and you don't want to be redundant and you, you do want to change the channel a little bit on folks to keep attention. And so that's been a part of it. But as far as like topics and how we kind of go through that process, what I try to do and our team that kind of plans this is we try to gather as much information as possible. So that means mm -hmm. for for months in the spring um, every mm -hmm. year, because we kind of use the summer to, uh, and I'll talk about the summer more in a second, but we use the summer to plan the next year and kind of finalize everything, build all the graphics packages, all that kind of stuff. So we use the end of the spring to gather as much information about um, just our people and where they are and mm -hmm. the questions that they have and what they're walking through, felt needs, all that stuff. We gather as much as possible. So that means that every week in staff meeting, we have a, a portion of the meeting where we're saying, what are you hearing from people? What's the feedback mm -hmm. that you're getting? Um, what are people celebrating? What are people hurting about right now? Um, mm -hmm. And then every month we do kind of a big all staff meeting, which includes mm -hmm. our sister church that we're starting on campus at UT um, and includes some, some volunteer staff members that are a part of that. And so we bring everybody together and ask them some of those same questions. Um, we try to keep a pulse with all of our small group leaders. Hey, what are people talking mm -hmm. about in group? What are people struggling with? What are people walking through? And then we kind of pair that with like, what's God teaching us as the leaders at Restore? Um, and mm -hmm. how can we kind of mesh these two things together? And so the very mm -hmm. first year, um, we had noticed uh, an issue that people were having, not just in our church, but, but really all over the place, about understanding kind of the importance of the whole story. So getting really mm -hmm. caught up in, well, this one verse says this. And it seems right. like this other verse says this other thing, and it really is weighing me down. I don't know how to deal with it. And so mm. we're trying to help people step back and say, okay, what's the big story that we're a mm. part of? How are we caught up in it? Um, and so that was kind of the onus for the first one. And then it just moved from there, um, You know, talking about what's most important. Last year with the year in the life of Jesus, we do a lot of walking people through and shepherding them through the process of deconstruction and reconstruction. We really focus in on the reconstruction part, uh, mm -hmm. mostly because we feel like uh, you know, either some churches will, will do a, a tough job of kind of just saying like, hey, don't ask questions, just, you know, have more faith, like, let's not deal with that. But then others, I think, um, you know, pendulum swing to the other side and just kind of encourage like, hey, just knock it all down, knock the whole, you know, demolish the whole mm. thing. Um, and we really try to help people. Okay, you're going to go through deconstruction on some level. I know that's a loaded word, but you're going to have questions, at least you're going to have doubts, yep. you're going to have things that come up. And so how do you not just throw those things away or not just stuff them down and pretend like they're not there, but actually walk through a process of reconstructing your faith? And so that theme entered into a place of like, well, if we're going to help people reconstruct their faith, what's the foundation, right? And scripture says mm -hmm. the cornerstone is Jesus, right? So that the foundation mm -hmm. of our house of faith must be the personal work of Christ. So it was like, let's spend a year in the life of Jesus and just talk about mm -hmm. who he is, yep. what he did, how he taught us to be human, all of that kind of stuff. So it comes out of these conversations that we're having a lot. Yeah, I love that. I love the organic nature of that. Like, hey, we're really trying to listen. I also like the seasonality of uh, that, you know, the rhythm you've got yourself into thinking, hey, that's kind of like that's spring work. That's like, 
hey, we're kind of evaluating, we're thinking about the next year. I think that's that's fantastic. How do you balance off as a communicator? I think this is one of the hardest things to do. We need people to listen to us. So there's a part of it that like, hey, we got to be clever. But just because it rhymes doesn't mean it's true. Uh, sure. So how do we, how do you balance that up? How do we be scripturally? One of the things I've been impressed as I've kind of engaged a little bit with your church is like, you know, a solid teacher, you know, whatever that means. I know that that means things in lots of different places, <laughs> but, uh, you know, committed to the teaching of Jesus uh, while at the same time also wanting to to really address the, the community that we're in. How do you balance that off? What what goes on in your head to being able to do that? And then practically, what does that look like? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I, y'all should write that down from Rich. Just because it rhymes doesn't mean it's true. That's a that's a quote <laughs> worth, worth taking away from the podcast today. Um, yeah, I think it's a great question. And it's something that, I, you know, it's not like we've mastered or anything. I think we're trying to continually get better at it um, and approach everything with this posture of humility and this posture of continuing to try to learn and get better. And so mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of other you know pastors that I respect. Um, the way that they, whether it's teach or um, or lead their churches, the way they make decisions. But ultimately, I'll, I'll give you an example from a year in the life of Jesus. Yep. What, what we did during that planning process, specifically with kind of the meat, which were these two long series in the middle, one that ended the fall and one that started the spring. And one was kind of centered around his teaching. And then the second one was centered around his kind of miracles and, and kind of his interactions with people, not just his miracles, but just interactions with everyday people. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. those two kind of meet series of the life of Jesus, we just said, okay, let's walk through as much of his like big theme teaching as possible. And let's just not skip over any of it. And mm-hmm. when we did that, we walked through the teaching of Jesus and, and I'm not like a, um, you know, we're, we're walking through Ephesians and we're going verse by verse and we're going to spend two years in it. I don't have anything against that. That's just not what we do. But yep. anytime we walk through a passage, we walk through the whole passage and we right. talk about context and culture and genre and author and author's intent and the, uh, per, you know, the, the original audience, all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I have just found that when you're faithful to do that, that the, um, the things that people were dealing with 2000 years ago, in some form or fashion, the same things that we're dealing with today. Yeah. It's it's so lust for power, it's greed, it's you know sex and money and and all of those things that people are struggling with that Jesus is constantly speaking into. Uh, you know, I think about like you know one of the my favorite sermons from this last year was Luke four. We talked through Jesus's first sermon in his hometown synagogue. You know, kind mm. of his coming out party, mm. and um, you know he he reads that Old Testament passage where it says, "I've come to." proclaim good news to the poor and set the captives free in the year of Jubilee and all that stuff. And he just sits down and he's like, yeah, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. Like this is happening right now. And the, the relevance of that, as we talk about how do we engage, how do we, how do we bring the the justice of Jesus into a world that is hurting and broken and struggling? Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. he laid it out in his very first sermon. This is like the Jesus manifesto. I think that's a yes. sweet quote, um, right? Like he, he just lays it out. This is what he is about. And so I find that all to be incredibly relevant. Um, so I guess right. that's almost a backhanded way of saying, I feel like when you just will walk through the text and listen to the words of Jesus, that they just come alive in very relevant ways. Yeah, I love that. It's so good. So uh, let's, get, let's go on the granular side. So it's uh, Tuesday afternoon, Sunday's coming. Uh, what is your process for kind of an individual message? What, what are some of the kind of, rhythms that you found that have been helpful again to try to relieve some of that stress and relieve some of that pressure that you're feeling 
Yeah, it took me a while to get into this, but um, I think we've got a good rhythm now over the last couple of years. Uh, the first thing is a principle that I want to share. And that is that, and you've probably had people share this on the podcast before, but that is that if you don't control your calendar, your schedule, someone else will. Um, yeah, and so, so if you true. don't set blocks, if you don't take time, if you don't make sure that, you know, you are putting things in there, it'll just fill up and it'll fill up, you know, without even you really thinking about it. And this is whether you have an admin assistant or not. It, this just happens. Um, yeah. And so for me, what we do, I take Fridays off. <clears throat> so I know it's mm-hmm. a little bit different. I take Fridays off. I work Mondays. Um, I'm an Enneagram three, so I just feel behind if I take Mondays off. Um, and so <laughs> nice. I work on Mondays. We do all staff meeting Monday morning. Um, so that we go about nine to 1130. I do some one-on-ones with some of the team that reports directly to me. And then Monday afternoons, I just read and take notes. I mean, that, that is all that Ooh. I do. So an entire block, I want to get at least three hours of just reading through the passage, reading through commentaries, and then throwing a bunch of notes down. I use some mm-hmm. kind of adapted version of the Andy Stanley, me, we, God, you, we breakout. And mm-hmm. so I just have a, a document with the scripture at the top, those five sections in it, and I'm just throwing notes in. And I, I discipline mm-hmm. myself to not do any actual writing that day. Mm. I just throw notes into those sections. And if I'll be disciplined about that on Monday afternoon, Rich, the, it'll just percolate, you know, in my brain and it'll move in my heart the whole rest of the week. And so then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday mornings are blocked out when I'm teaching in a given week. Um, and so Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday mornings, you know, nine to noon, I'm writing. So those are my three big writing days. Um, now I manuscript too. So like I, I write the whole thing out. So I'm writing between you know, three and 4,000 words a week um, and putting it all together. So that happens in, in those three, three hour blocks. And then Thursday afternoon is when I need to send my notes into the production team and make sure they've got everything ready to roll. Um, when we first started, I used to send it everything in on Saturday nights um, and it was <laughs> not fair to my team, but I also realized that it was not good for me, you know, like yeah. I, uh, and I still make adjustments Saturday nights usually, um, or maybe Sunday mornings, but it was just like, I, I knew I had this extra time. So I wasn't as disciplined about Thursday afternoon. It's got to be 95% of the way there. Yeah. And so then Thursday afternoon ends, I have an actual Sabbath on Fridays, family time. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. And then Saturday evening, usually right kind of when I put the kids to bed, I've got, I've got young kids an almost seven year old, almost three year old. And so when they get down, um, I go and I revisit the message and I'll, I'll spend, depending on how diligent I was during the week, maybe an hour or maybe four hours, you know, kind of fine tuning everything and making sure it's together. And then I'll send one final copy to the production folks Saturday night. Hey, here's any changes. I'll note any changes. Um, Here's everything we got for tomorrow morning. And then I'm done. Um, And then it starts all again the next week. Now, I do think it's important to build in rhythms where you're not teaching. I think the first couple of years I was probably teaching 48 ish times a year. Um, because you know, it's just church planting. You're trying to get it going. I'd like to be at about 35, I think would be my goal. I'm probably at 38 or 40 right now. But one way that we found to be creative about taking breaks, even if we don't feel like we have another preacher to just bring in is a couple of things. So I told you summers are a little bit different. So every summer we do something Mm -hmm. called summer mixtape. And the idea Mm -hmm. of a mixtape is that, um, you know, an album is all these songs by your favorite artists. Um, but a mixtape is all the best songs by all these different artists, right? Yes. And so what we're doing is bringing in these teachers and saying, hey, give us like the, the very best sermon that you've taught over the last mm. couple of years that you just want to you know, share with us. Um, and so it also allows us to lean into our um, core value of diversity because we're bringing in diverse voices to teach us about diverse topics. Um, 
And we work really hard at that. Now, the last two years, because of uh, COVID, we've actually been able to do mixtape in a really cool way, which has been that we have brought in people from all over the country and the world via Zoom. And I'll do yeah. Zoom interviews with them. Um, oh, and so cool. this last this last year, this last summer, we're actually in the middle of it right now. Um, we were able to do quite a few like authors that had just released really important books. So we talked with Kristen Dumay with it, did Jesus and John Wayne, Jamar Tisby that did Color mm. of Compromise and How to Fight Racism, uh, Beth Barr, who did The Making of Biblical Womanhood, Scott McKnight, who talked about church called Tove and abuse in the church. And so we tackled these really big topics, but in a really accessible way, diverse voices talking to us about diverse things. And so, but mixtape mm. also gives me about five or six weeks where I can plan the next year because we do it during right. the summer um, and I'm able to have that time away. The other thing we do maybe once or sometimes twice a year is something called Hot Seat Sunday. And it's exactly what it sounds like. People submit questions. I don't see them beforehand. And I just sit up for about 35 or 45 minutes and answer <laughs> questions. Um, it's really it. fun. Um, people love it. And, but that also gives me a week where I'm not doing a lot of prep and it's something different. It also leans into our value of authenticity. Like, look, I'm yep. being authentic up here. You're asking me authentic questions. And then four times a year, we actually don't do a normal Sunday gathering. So twice we kind of cancel to do serve days. Um, mm -hmm. And we mobilize one at the middle school. We do a beautification day. The second one we work with, we have 12 community partners all over the city. And so we'll mobilize people and send them out to those partners. And then the other two are what we call party with a purpose. So we do something called baptique, which is baptisms and barbecue <laughs> mixed together. Um, nice. so we do a bunch of baptisms and provide barbecue for people. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, we, we, we do that kind of stuff, which, again, leans into these values um, of, of partnerships and authenticity, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. so that people realize like, okay, it's not all about Sunday. Um, yep. we have some other things that are going on. So that's a way we've continued to integrate those four core values you mentioned at the top with actually what we do on Sundays. Yeah. I love that. I love, uh, so much there friends. I hope you're listening in. This is like a, it's a, it's a whole class really on how to do this well. So I, I really appreciate that. Uh, Zach, I love the hot seat Sunday, uh, such a great, um, you know, I think value of wanting to be authentic and actually structuring a way to do that. I think so many of our Sunday experiences can come off as they are a highly produced kind of like, yeah, you know, we, we're going to give perfect answers to well-crafted questions um, yeah. <laughs> and as opposed to, you know, the awkward, yeah, that's a good question. I, I have three thoughts, but I need to get back to you on it because I'm not sure yeah. <laughs> uh, answer, uh, which is, uh, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, so good. This has been a, a fantastic conversation. Kind of just pivoting into a couple other things. When you think back to seminary, you know, our our uh, our, our motto here is stuff you wish they taught in seminary. What what do you yeah. think of when you think about that? When you think back at that time, what do you wish they would have taught you? Geez, well, certainly all the stuff that we talked about just now, all the sermon series planning yeah, and all that absolutely. stuff. Um, I didn't get any of that. Um, I had one church planting class. I did a, I went to DTS. I had a 120 hour master's and I had one class on church planting, even though I knew I was going to plant. So that was kind of brutal. But here's the one big thing that I think applies to anyone. And that is how to clarify someone's purpose for wanting to meet with me before we actually meet. Um, so good. Every pastor I talk to, man, it's so anxiety producing. And you know this, right? You get a text, you yes. get an email. Hey, we need to have coffee. Hey, we need to chat. And your mind goes to, they hate me. They hated the message. They're leaving the church. I mean, it's just, it's just the worst. And so I would just carry anxiety almost all the time until we actually sat down to meet. Um, but I also didn't want to be like, oh, well, call me now. What's going on? You know, because you don't want to yes. you know, you do that. You want to protect yeah. and have good boundaries and stuff, too. So here is how I respond to that. 
every single time now. I'll text back or I'll email back and say, yes, that sounds great. Here are some times I'm available. Um, what did you have in mind to talk about so I can be the best prepared I can be for the conversation? And Love just it. lay that out. And they always respond. Like nobody's like, oh, I need to wait until we talk in person. If yeah. they do that, then I have some concerns. Um, yes. But 95% of the time they're like, oh, I just had a question about this. And it's, you know, super mild and it doesn't matter. Or if it is something really serious, you get a little bit of a heads up beforehand and you can actually prepare. So that's a one yep. big thing that I, I, I think I only really got it down about a year and a half ago, but it's been transformative. Oh, I love that. What a gr that's a great, uh, you know, like little hack, but man, could make our lives yeah. way more effective. I remember early on, 20 plus years ago when I was uh, in ministry, I was I was going into a job interview with who's now one of my uh, good good friend of mine, Bruxy, and he, um, he was the lead pastor of the church. And I was, so I understood that I was going into an interview with him. I show up to the interview, we're having lunch, and he's like, so why are we meeting today? And, and, <laughs> and I was like, well, this is awkward. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were interviewing me for a job, but uh, you know, maybe not. Which was, you know, I've I've ribbed him many times about that since then. Um, another that's thing amazing. I love to hear: you sound like the kind of guy that's reading books, great books, all the time. Uh, what's a book or two you've read in the last year that have just been? It's been fantastic. You actually mentioned a, a few of when mixtape, but uh, any others did, that yeah, kind of yeah. stick out to you as ones that are are fantastic? Yeah, I, I just hit Jesus and John Wayne again, the Christian Dume book. Um, it, uh, yeah. I think, released last year. It hit the New York Times bestseller list, though, about a month ago. Um, and I, it was just like, it was the reading the story of my life growing up in, mm. you know, really conservative evangelicalism um, and just understanding what was going on, um, the stuff that was happening behind the scenes, good and bad. She's a historian. I love that about mm -hmm. her. She just brings the receipts, man. You know, this is what was going yeah. on. She doesn't, she does very little interpreting of events. Um, just a lot Ooh. of here's what was happening. Um, right. And I think it's one of the most important books over the last decade. Agree with all of it, not agree with all of it. It's just a great primer to jump off and have some conversations with people. And like I said, she was on the mixtape last month. She was uh, awesome. I want to shout out to her as she's just a real deal of, of a person too. someone Ooh. who is super committed to the local church. Um, you know, as a member of her local church, there uh, is a professor at a Christian college. She is not like just this outside person throwing stones and having problems. She is in it um, and in it for the long haul. So I, I appreciate that a lot about her. So that was a newer one. One older one um, is I'm, I'm ashamed it took me so long, but this at the beginning of this year, I read Where Do We Go From Here? Uh, the Martin Luther mm -hmm. King Jr.'s final book. It was released right mm -hmm. before he was killed. Um, and I, I just get so tired of the, uh, you know, every MLK day and a couple of quotes and, you know, like, um, not right. actually taking him seriously as a, as a pastor and as a Jesus follower and all of that stuff. Mm. So where do we go from here was written in 68, but it feels a lot like it was written about the last couple of years. Um, it's just mm. so prophetic. Um, but also very, you know, as the theme of the podcast, nuts and bolts and awesome, um, for anybody who wants to, you know, get serious about about justice, specifically around racial justice. So where do we go from here, mm -hmm. Dr. King? It's a phenomenal, phenomenal book. Mm -hmm. Love it. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate you being on the podcast and really helping us on, you know, pick apart a, a really critical, important piece of what we do. Um, you know, if you're listening in and you're you're not in the primary teaching seat, um, you know, a part of our job is to support the people who do this on a regular basis and to help them create the margin and space so that 
they can do this well. So you've given us, uh, whether, whether people are in that seat or not, you've given us some just really great stuff to chew on today, Zach. I really appreciate that. If people want to get in touch with you or to track with the church, where do we want to send them uh, online as we, uh, as we wrap up here? Yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on. It was a great time. Um, yeah, I think the, the easiest way to connect with me directly is, is Twitter at Zach W. Lambert, uh, Z-A-C-H-W-L-A-M-B-E-R-T on Twitter. Um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, but I'm not as good at those. Um, I'm a true millennial, <laughs> so I'm much better, much better at Twitter. Um, so you can connect with me on there and then restoreaustin.org is our church's website. You can see that video I mentioned. Um, you can see all the past sermon series and stuff that we've done on there. We've got YouTube and Vimeo and our podcast as well. Um, it's all just restore Austin. If you search that. Um, and then I sent you that sermon series calendar from the year in the life yes, of Jesus right. that I mentioned. Yep. Yeah. If anybody right. needs that, um, I'm also happy if you want to get at me on Twitter or anything like that. Um, I'm happy to walk anybody through that, see if it'll be helpful because that's that kind of central place where it lives. I printed it right. out of the PDF. We actually have it as a, it's just a, a Google sheet, um, that is right. accessible by our whole team and it can be updated and all that stuff. So. If that's helpful, yeah, I'm great. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. So people who want to, you know, dive deep and get a, uh, you know, a, a look at that, you can pick it up in the show notes. And then I appreciate your generosity of saying, hey, if you want to connect. So, Zach, Absolutely. I appreciate you being here today, sir. Thank you so much, and uh, appreciate your time. Thanks, Rich. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.